Hi, and welcome to Tales of the Road Warriors. Today I'm talking to Funkadelic singer-songwriter and Jersey girl, Laura Cheadle, who has been kicking off the new year with several performances. As a matter of fact, tomorrow, Friday, uh, Friday, January 18th, she'll be appearing at the Union Firehouse in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. For more information and to get the skinny on all of her upcoming gigs, go to laurachetel.com and click on Dates in the menu. I first, quote unquote, discovered Laura Cheadle back in the MySpace days, on MySpace, of all places. Uh, she had released a video of a song she had written called MySpace Funk, which, although wasn't at the level of songwriting or performing as, say, Rosetta Thorpe or Bonnie Raitt, you could hear her blues funk influences even then, and you could tell this kid had potential. And of course, this was a novelty song, so yeah, there's that. She continued to grow as a singer-songwriter, and now she's just released her seventh album called Chill. So me, I was completely into Photoshop at this time. Uh, a friend of mine in the animation department at Hanna-Barbera had shown me a Christmas card he created and sent out to all of his friends uh, uh, of a guy with his leg impaled by a Christmas tree. It looked pretty real, so naturally I was hooked on Photoshop immediately. Anyway, I thought it would be cool to Photoshop this girl Laura's face onto the body of a performer at the Grammy Awards receiving a Grammy Award. And then I posted on Laura's Facebook page. Well, I'm glad Laura took it in the spirit it was intended, because although at the time I thought that was funny, in retrospect, it was probably kind of a stalky thing to do. I mean, I didn't really know her, and doing that probably has a creep factor of about 8.5. Anyway, sometime later, she was promoting a show in Ardmore, PA, at a place called Milk Boy. Uh, it's a very good li listening room for original acts. So I went with a few friends to see her and the band, which consists of her dad and her brothers. Uh, although now she includes a couple local blues mu musicians, Mo and Dave, uh, a very seasoned old-school bass and drum rhythm section. And they really fill out the sound and anchors the band perfectly. Anyway, I'd like to take this opportunity, by the way, to apologize to you, Laura, if I hug the conversation. This was one of my first podcast recordings, and I'm still trying to find my voice. So there may have been times where I was talking when I should have been listening or helping the conversation along with a, a little more proactively. If we get a chance to do a sequel, a sequel, I promise it will go much better. By the way, guys, you should also know her dad. Jim Cheadle has quite a musical past, so maybe we'll be lucky enough to get him on the podcast, too. Right now, this is where I'd like to say, today our conversation with Laura Cheadle is brought to you by blank. But since this podcast is in its infancy, I don't have a sponsor yet. Hey, potential sponsors, that was a hint. <laughs> so I guess there's only one thing left to do. Let's talk to Laura Cheadle. So, Laura, I first became aware of you when you were on MySpace, like, years ago. Yeah. And you were making little home videos even back then. Heck, yeah. Yeah, how old were you when you wrote that MySpace song? Oh, uh, God, 16, 17. Uh, okay, that's what Six, I thought you yeah. were, a 16-year-old girl. And did MySpace <laughs> yeah. Tom ever call you and say, hey, I like your song? He should have. He didn't? He really should have. No, no wonder. I wish he See, did. that's why they went under. Mm -hmm. he, he lost touch with this community. 
And that got like 50,000 hits, that video. It was like crazy that I made the MySpace funk. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, he should have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wonder if he's on, is he on Facebook? <laughs> I have no, people just abandoned him, so I have no idea. Well, what goes around comes around, so. Yeah, I so, still miss it, though. So anyway, when when you were doing that, I was in my Photoshop phase, and I, I got this idea to create that picture of you accepting the Grammy Award. and I Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I thought it would, it would inspire you to keep going because I thought you had some, some good creativity going on and a, and a great vibe. And you remind me a lot of people that I, that I used to work with when I was a singing waiter in Los Angeles. Mm. So I thought, you know, she, she might get a kick out of this. And then I oh, thought, I did. yeah, <laughs> she probably thinks I'm a stalker. Oh so, no! Just, that was that was fun back then. Now everyone thinks you can't connect to like on MySpace. People were open to talking to new people. Ever since Facebook, I mean, it's not musician friendly at all. I was talking about that on the interview. Yeah, on I Sunday. Know. It, it can be. It just depends. Like I was just looking at, yeah. to see how many mutual friends we had. Mm-hmm. So we do know a lot of the same people too. So that, well, that I don't know if I really know them. <laughs> They're just kind of yeah, on there. Yeah, right. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm looking at a couple of them and I'm like, "They're friends of mine." How did they don't know Laura? They yeah, I don't know who any. <laughs> saw them on my friend list and just friended you. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I don't know who these people are. So um, yeah, and then later I went with a, some a couple friends of mine to the Milk Boy in Ardmore to see you guys mm. play. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was a good gig. You packed the room. Yeah, that was a fun venue. Yeah, and I don't think they. I don't think they're open there anymore. No, they're not there. But I, uh, I think they still have the Milk Boy in Philly. Yeah, I played there a couple times. It's a great yeah. place. Now, have you outgrown that room, or you think you might? Yeah, still play? I have. Yeah. We're. I've. I've moved on to more. Um, not anything against those rooms. They're phenomenal. I mean, they're great. But uh, yeah, we're more of a. But, you know, you need to move on in your career to different rooms and, uh, you know, have to graduate a little bit to more opening act kind of thing. Well, there's no way you would be opening for, say, Mark Boussard, like, at Milk Boy and Ardmore. (laughs) No, definitely not. (laughs) So, but, yeah, that's cool. Um, We'll get to that later. But uh, you know what I wanted to tell you? I was really sorry that I missed you when you played Abington High School. Was like it was on the high school oh, the, grounds, right? Oh, the college, the college. Yeah, the college. That's what it, it was. Penn the college. State. It was like a yeah, music festival of some yeah, kind. Yeah, that of. was awesome. Open for John Sebastian. And, yes, um, yes. And Professor Louis and Cromax and um, what was the other one I opened for? I'm trying to remember. Don't you? Well, the name that like really got me was John B. Sebastian because yeah, to me he was like my second biggest influence growing up next to the Beatles. Oh, and wow. uh, did you get a chance to talk to him at all? Oh yeah. Or did you oh, play? Yeah. Did you jam with him? No, he was just acoustic. Yeah, it was very. A, you could jam. It was strange. Huh? It was strange. No, he was very. He wanted to do his own thing. Yeah. But a lot of the people of that, they don't want anything like that. Except Peter Tork of the Monkees brought me up. It just depends on the person. How did you meet? How did you manage to meet Peter Tork? I opened for him. I opened for him two years ago. Yeah. Him and his, the monkeys, we did one of his reunion shows I opened for. Very and then cool. I sang Daydream Believer with him. It was fun. I still sing Day, Daydream Believer <laughs> at my gigs. <laughs> that, that, that one goes over quite well. He's, he's got like a blues band now. I yeah, Choose yeah. Suede Blues. That's who I opened for, yeah. Oh, okay. So that, was he with one. James Lee Stanley? I don't know. The other guy <laughs> in his act? Uh, I don't know. 
Oh, okay. Because I know James Lee. He's he's a he's he's a good guy. He's got about twenty five CDs out. Oh, cool. Maybe. And still making I'm not sure. them. If you get a chance, look up James Lee. Stanley. I will. He might have been there. I'm not sure. So I was going to tell you, I I, uh, I used to live across the street from the Stallone in Northeast Philly when I was growing up. Oh yeah. And Frank Stallone had this uh, cover band called the the American Tragedy. And, and they had this little rubber frog that was like hanging down on the bass drum, on the kick drum. <laughs> and, and so he used to play like all Love and Spoonful songs. So he mm. was a couple of years older than me and I looked up to him. So That's I started cool. learning. Every, to this day, I could play like about a dozen Love and Spoonful songs without even looking at the words. That's cool. I don't know. It sounds like I'm a dinosaur when I say <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. So with that, when you played Abington... I really wanted to come to that gig because you were opening for Sebastian. I thought I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll see Laura Cheadle. Yeah. And maybe somehow, some way, I'll get to meet JB Sebastian because, <laughs> like, that's my bucket list. So I got a bid for a gig on the same day. Mm. And I thought, well, I'm just going to bid really high so she doesn't hire me. And if I do get the gig, at least I'll get paid well. Yeah. The week of the gig. I get an email from Gig Masters that says, uh, you've been booked. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> I was so bummed. Yeah, that was a cool gig. It was really rainy that day, but it was a great gig. Not that many people were there, actually. But it was a good one because it was just the weather was crap. Well, and, I got to see it Puxia last time. Yeah. That was, that was, that was good. Fun. That was good. That was a rainy was night, fun. too, now that you mention it. Uh, every time I play, I know it's always rainy. So here's what I'm picturing uh, to be your first instrument. You're, you're a little baby, and your dad's rehearsing for a gig with Teddy Pendergrass, and you're nearby <laughs> in a playpen, and you grab a baby rattle, and you're like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I close? Uh, drums. Drums? I played the drums first. Yep, whole set. That's so I wasn't too instrument. far off. I got percussion. Yep. I was in, like, yep. in the ballpark. That's my very first instrument, drums. I was obsessed with playing the drums and I'm actually really good at the drums. I don't go on them enough at shows, but yeah, I played the drums. Well, and you're, you're kind of funk based. I mean, originally you, a lot of your stuff has like a kind of funky groove to it. So I can see where the percussion does oh, come, yeah. come out of your personality. That's how I play the guitar too. Like it's like a rhythm instrument sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like, at some point you like, Watch your dad playing, like sit down on the bench next to him. He showed you stuff. Like, how how did you progress from there? Well, I never took to piano very well. Not I don't really. I can play the piano, but I never really enjoyed the piano. So then I moved to the guitar when I was fifteen or fourteen. I was like really heartbroken, and I just started banging out like two albums worth of songs. And my family was shocked that I knew all these. I didn't even know what the chords I was playing. You should have picked chords. up the ukulele <laughs> first, because then you would have written happier songs right out of the <laughs> Yeah, I just liked, I know I was playing a lot of minor at that time, minor chords. Right. Uh, and yeah, it was all, I was very, but my chords weren't actual chords. They were just whatever I was, my dad always tells a story. It's just whatever I'm playing sounds like a chord. It's like an extension of a chord. Or Now I know the chords, but back then they're really interesting arrangements i was putting up <laughs> so that's when i started playing the guitar and, now, did you uh, do any band instruments growing up like the violin or the oboe yeah 
French horn. I was one of the best in uh, my elementary school all around South Jersey. I won for French horn. Wow. I wanted to play the <laughs> yeah. trumpet, but they, they had enough trumpets. They, you know what? They gave me the uh, baritone horn. Oh. I, I, was, I was not having fun with that at all, and I had to learn the bass scale. So I guess yeah. that, that was helpful <laughs> later, but it wasn't... I was I was really into the guitar. My dad played guitar, mm-hmm. and he showed me a few chords, and then I just took that and ran with it. Oh, yeah. I love the guitar. You can do so much with it. I love it. Yeah. Do you prefer acoustic or electric? Acoustic. 100%. Way better. I like the nylon strings, too. I don't play with... I refuse to play with a pick, so... Oh, really? see, I like the pick. I, I like both, mm-hmm. but I think I prefer the pick. Okay. I don't like it. I can't get more of a groove. That's like a percussion for me when I play. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. <laughs> so so now, what was that little guitar you were playing at the gig? It looked like a little uh, Martin? Prob- I guess. I don't remember what I was playing. Probably Martin. Yeah, I have 13 baby guitars. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it was like a baby guitar. <laughs> at first, I yeah. thought it was a uke, and I'm like, no, nah, it's too big to be a uke, but it's too small to be a guitar. It's like, what oh, is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the babies. I also have traveler guitars, which are even smaller. Yeah, it had a good sound to it, though. Yeah, those are nice. You have a pickup in it? <laughs> yeah, they all do. Oh, yeah. I put pickups in the ones that don't come with them. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure. I didn't see, I couldn't see any um, knobs on the side, so I, I imagine. It's, it's actually in, in the guitar on that one. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I have a really cool guitar guy to design it for me, and I go to Peter Brown, and uh, he put it in for me. Really interesting. So they have to adjust the sound for that on the board. You can't really. Can you? No, you can't. It's it's inside the guitar. Inside. Oh, you kind of reach into the sound hole. Yep. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's pretty cool. What other kind? Of, I I I heard you mention that you you were endorsed for a while by Sennheiser, but mm-hmm. you're no longer. Just that was a while ago. I'm no longer doing that now. Yeah. Though. So now that you can like use any mic you want and. and <laughs> yeah. What, what I still pre- use the Sennheiser though. That's my favorite one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I'm, I use an I AKG in yeah. the studio, but live, I'm still a sure 58 guy. I don't like that. That's very good for male voices, I noticed, SM58s. I just don't like them with my voice. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll use it if I have to, but I'm not a fan for me. Okay, so we're a Sennheiser girl. Yeah, I like Sennheiser. Well, I like <laughs> Neumann, really. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I use that in my recordings. I want to get the live performance mic off the work. Yeah, you, I don't see too many people uh, <laughs> un- unpacking a Neumann out on the road. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'll work on that endorsement. So, uh, and now you mentioned uh, the other night uh, on Danny's show that, that uh, Chill was your first concept album. So we're like, where all the songs kind of fit in, into it yeah, cohesively. Yeah, all of my albums before this were all over the place for good reason. Because I, I never write to, for a way of, like, that's why I always like to be myself and not have anyone tell me what to write, what to do. So the other albums, they'd go from, like, R&B to funk, to, which I loved. But this album is very cohesive. Right. Um, well, you got to be thinking mistake. too. The times have changed because people cherry pick what they download. Like the, mm-hmm. to have a, they're not into an album mentality anymore. Yep. Which is kind of sad, some, in a way. But oh, it really is. But this came, you know, this, these songs were all written independently, not really for this album. Kind of just put them together. So that's. But I was in that kind of mood. Um, the, this the first songs for this album was written two thousand eleven. So it's been many years of writing for this album. So 
I'm really, really happy with it because it's very, you know, I'm getting a lot of new fans, of, you know, because the album is very, I call it WXPN because they loved it and it's, it's that kind of vibe that real Are they playing contemporary. You on XPN? I, everyone's telling me I've never heard it, but I got a great review from them on it. So I'd like to say yes, but I've never heard it myself. Oh. Has your band always been your family? Did you like? Uh... Yeah. Well, um, I I always have different bass players and drummers, and the the core of the band is my dad and my brother. Right, and it's Jim and Jimmy, or. Yep, and my other brother used to be in the band. Well, we're going to make him join again. He moved to Florida for a bit, but he Nick is Jimmy's identical twin, as well. Oh, okay, that would yeah. be cool. Yeah, he was in it for a long time. Um, it just depends on the gig, really. I do. Do well, you have your uncle? Trios. Was it Doug and Joe, the, the bass player at Pucks? You had uh... uh, Mo and Dave. Yep. Mo and Dave. Dave, I've known since two thousand nine. Uh, so he's been playing with me a long time. Did you he's meet them at Warm Daddies, like at an open mic or something? I, I met them. I, them first. I was doing a Naris event uh, in Philly and I was like chosen to showcase and the drummer, like for your whole band to showcase, they had to be members of Naris, the recording Academy. And, uh, I, my drummer wasn't, and he didn't feel like paying. So Dave was just there with his band and he just sat in with me. <laughs> it was oh, perfect. Very nice. Yep. It was awesome. I like when that kind of kismet happens. Yeah. And he just tore it up. Like, boom, he's great. Yeah, but I bet Joe and Dave have some good tales of the road. I I took I got his card. I'm gonna have to give him a call and see if I can get him to do this podcast. Speaking of which, do you have any untold tales that you haven't shared with any anyone yet? Hmm. It's like in all this time, you must have had some like either a, a funny story or a horror story at a gig, or or, or maybe one of each. We when we were touring in uh, Utica, New York. It's like really random. We had like these stalker fans following us. It was like we were like the Beatles kind of thing. Really? And <laughs> how'd they pick you up? Like how did you get on their radar? A, I was playing at a festival. It was what was it called? Utica Music Festival. I don't think they even have it anymore. And um they were they were stalking us from bar to bar because we were like staying there in a hotel and <laughs> it was so creepy. Then they <laughs> Then they appear. I've had a lot of stalkers in my day. I'll tell you one thing. And they were asking my dad to go in the hot tub with them. And funny. I was laughing because it was my dad. See, I always have security, though. <laughs> my dad and brother are always there. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a sister, and she grew up with me and two other brothers. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, know, I know how that is. It's good. It's, it's nice. I'm very tough, brother. though. I mean, I've never had really an issue. <laughs> <laughs> You have like a little thing that like pulls out of the neck of the guitar with like a blade on the end of it. <laughs> People don't want to mess. I, they, I have that vibe. Like, nope, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> it was a, a movie years ago. I don't know if you've seen it. Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension with Peter Weller. No. I love the name, though. And Be- Billy and the Beaters had a, a spot in this. Are you familiar with Billy and the Beaters? No. Billy Vera, it's his band. He wrote the song At This Moment, you know, What Do You Think? Do you know that song? No, I feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm going to have to turn you on to this song, Laura. It's, okay. When I was a bartender at the Blue Lagoon Saloon, that's the first time I saw Billy and the Beaters. Billy was actually a writer for Motown, but uh, he was like Blue Eyed Soul. 
So he wrote this song called At This Moment, and the first time I heard it, I'm like, that song's a hit. Ten years later, on the show Family Ties, you know, with Michael J. Fox, mm-hmm. they used that song in this episode where he danced with his girlfriend for the first time at some high school dance, and it, it instantly became a hit. So it took ten years for That's that song cool. to be, become an overnight hit. That's awesome. You know, everybody thinks you get discovered overnight. It's like, but they don't realize that there's like a history behind this. Oh, yeah. So that was your your stalker story. How did that end? Like, did you get them arrested or you just ditched them? I ended up putting them on, I put them on my social media saying these people are are following us around and then they ran. It wasn't like my life was in danger. It's just hilarious. Yeah, I know. It was hilarious. It was I feel like I'm not telling the story better, good enough, but it was hilarious. They were just so obviously stalking us, right. <laughs> the you whole band. Good, well, at least it wasn't a dangerous situation. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> now, did you ever get to a gig and like nobody shows up? Or? No. Well, I don't book every weekend for that purpose. You know, I'm very selective with my gigs. Um, you know, I'm also really good at marketing. I have a marketing degree. I'm... You have to know, and a lot of these bands I tell repeatedly, don't just send someone a message with your Facebook event. Personally email them, invite them. If you want to get people to a, you know, to a show, just personal personalize it. I'm not booking every single weekend, oh, Laura's playing again. You know, there's, there's so much strategy that you have to do. Yeah. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I, I found a lot of this stuff out accidentally. Mm-hmm. When the internet was young. Were you in the kitchen now? What are you cooking? That's not me. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm in the loft. Am I missing some good chili or something? I don't know how you hear that. I can hear it. Oh, I'm on headphones in like I'm on Skype, <laughs> so I yeah, I have a good uh, connection. Do you ever um, accept outside material? Do people pitch you songs to do for your album? No, I don't want to do that. Um, I get a lot of pitches, but I don't want that. If if I do a cover, it's only because I'm a in love with the song and I make it my own. Um, not that I'm against collaborating. I collaborate with a lot of people for, uh, you know, film and TV placement, things like that. I do a lot of that, but for my album, it's very personal and I just don't want anybody others, anyone else's writing on my album. And I don't mean that in a weird way. Just, oh yeah, no, I understand. It's, just a, totally. it's a personal thing. Yeah. When I was working at the bowling alley, uh, it's, well, it was Jerry's Famous Deli, and it's adjacent, adjacent to a bowling alley. This is in uh, Studio City, California. And uh, a lot of celebrities come through there. So uh, I had just written a song, like an answer song to um, Careless Whispers by George Michael. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a song called Never Mind the Whispers. So George Michael was in the bowling alley. Oh, my God. <laughs> I went up to him and I said, do you ever accept outside material? And he looks at me and goes, you got the wrong guy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, nope. Yeah. He, 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 he in men's words. Hey, you tried. Any other good stories before I... Not what I can think of right now. No good tales <laughs> of the... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's usually just chill. I've hung out with a lot of famous people, but I'm trying to think. Maybe if you ask some things, it'll get my brain going. I don't okay, know. well, drop a couple <laughs> names on me then. Like you said, you, you hung out, you, you got a story with some famous people. Well, you know, hanging out with Peter Tork, of course, was fun. I opened the Jonas Brothers I hung out with. That was fun. 
Oh, right. Oh, um, you know who? Um, I forgot. You uh, know my cousin Toby. We talked briefly about that. Toby yeah, Hardy. I don't know know her. I went to high school with her co- cousin, or I know her cousin. I've never met her though. I mean, I might have crossed paths with her, but I don't know her. Okay, because I yeah, there's some some YouTube videos of her playing with Mark Bussard because I think she opened for him a couple times back in the day. And that reminds me, I just I just saw a um, his new video. Did you see that by any chance? No. He's, he's playing with his dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, That's why I'm excited for this. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, he stole Laura Cheadle's idea, playing with <laughs> her dad. <laughs> so I, I, I'm opening from acoustic. Yeah. No, no band. So so you're going to play acoustic, and he's going to play acoustic? and I don't know if he has a band, but we're only allowed to be acoustic on this which is cool ah. yeah so yeah and i'm not sure if he has a band did you consider asking if he'd want to do a one with you <laughs> i never do that until i meet them uh, i do not yeah, i do yeah. not assume i do not assume i think i think he should i think it would behoove him to ask you if you would be <laughs> so kind as to do a number or two with him we will see. I'm just putting it out there in case this gets aired before the gig, which it very well might. I hope so. I love him. So. Mark, if you're listening, you and Laura need to do a little uh, I'm number a together. I'm a major fan. Major fan of this. So that'd be great. All right. And, you know, who knows? Uh, this podcast might get some people to the gig, too, that aren't go. aware of it. Although I don't know who would not be aware of this. <laughs> so in closing, Laura... Time for shameless promotion of upcoming gigs, pet projects, and favorite charities. All right. Well, let me get my gigs here. And I'll put this in the show notes with links. So, Cool. Uh, January 18th. January 18th, I'll be at the Union Firehouse in Mount Holly, New Jersey with Norman Taylor. I don't often play in South Jersey, which is crazy because I live in South Jersey, but it's going to be a great night. Saturday, January 26th, I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee, opening for World Turning, which is at 3rd and Lindsley. It's phenomenal, phenomenal venue. I'm really excited about that. February 7th, I will be in Los Angeles, appearing on another Late Tonight talk show with Mike Perkins. I'm going to be performing on there on February 7th. Um, February 23rd, I'll be in Claymont, Delaware. It's a banquet I've done for many years. It's a Do the Right Thing for Life AIDS benefit. And, of course, March 29th, opening for Mark Broussard at the Broadway Theater in my hometown of Pittman, New Jersey. And there's a lot more tour dates being added currently. So lauracheetle.com. Well, be sure and let me know. Well, I'll, I'll follow you on Facebook anyway. So if any come up uh, that you haven't mentioned here yet, I'll at least have it in the show notes so i'll just add that oh, cool. to, to you know to the website awesome tales of the road warriors.com woo and you are at what laura cheetle music.com laura cheetle.com okay so you don't need to add the music it's just laura cheetle.com yep all right well it's been really nice talking to you miss cheetle absolutely yeah. come see me Okay. Come on out. Come on out. <laughs> I will, and I'll encourage all my friends. Hey, peeps, go check out Laura Cheadle. Coming soon to a venue near you. So there you have it. That was my little uh, chat with Laura Cheadle.
Um, next week, I'm going to be talking with Chad Watson. He's a Missouri native. He began learning the bass from his dad and continued to study at the Music Conservatory of the University of Missouri. Chad's played with Ronnie Millsap, Waylon Jennings, Jerry Jeff Walker, Tanya Tucker, Donovan. Uh, man, a huge list of people. Um, the Burrito Brothers and uh, uh, Dale Watson. There's a story there. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, conversation, and I wouldn't miss it. Thank you for tuning in to Tales of the Road Warriors. Uh, I'll see you next Thursday, and in the meantime... I'm going for a drive.